Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today we're going to be in Philippians 3, 2 through 11. I spoke this message on Thursday night, but before y'all check me off, it's a different message. It's a continuation from Thursday night. There's going to be some similarities. We have a group of young adults here. And if you're watching online and you were there Thursday as well, we welcome you. Um, Philippians 3, 2 through 11. And so I'm going to be talking about being satisfied with Christ. Being satisfied with Christ. You know, in John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. Other translations say abundant life. The New Living Translation says rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life. And so we're going to go through that in Philippians 3. But before we, we head there... Um, I want to just pause here and say, if you are a uh, middle school or high school student or in uh, like young adult age, like 18 to 29, and I haven't met you, I'm going to be up here after service. I'd love to just get to know you. If you're a parent of a middle school or high school student, I'd love just to get to know you and, and meet you if I haven't already. Um, but growing up, some of, a lot of you know my mom. Okay, raise your hand if you know my mom. Mrs. B, sparkle shine lady. Okay. Um, my mom does all, like she organizes all the Christmas productions here and all the dances and whatnot. And she is like high energy. And people ask me, is she, is she that way at home? I'm like, she's worse. <laughs> she's even more nice and even more excited. Anyway, so she loves Christmas. And so like, you can imagine what our house like is around Christmas. It's like very festive. And so like putting up the Christmas tree is a big deal. And so here's a picture of me and my brother, Joey. And so we're like, we have to bring the ladder out and we're like climbing to the top, competing who can go and put the star on top of the tree or the angel on top of the tree. And it's always this battle of who can be higher than the other person. It's like this instinctual thing, maybe with boys, maybe it's with girls too, but this instinctual thing that we want to be dominant. We want to be where other people aren't. We want to get to the top. We want to, we want, it's just this selfish, like, kind of nasty desire that we all have, which is to be dominant over other people. And, and some people who, who get do, like become dominant, that's their instincts. Everyone has it. Some people just go defeated that they don't even try. But anyway, that's not the point. Even my two-year-old, I, my Remmer, he, I put out a stepladder and he just climbs that thing. I didn't teach him. I didn't have to tell him this is how you climb a ladder. He's just like, I see the ladder, I'm going. And, and it brings me to this point is that there, there are these ladders. I'm going to use this ladder to frame my message. There are these ladders, or I might say idols in our life that culture is telling us we need to climb to find significance, to find happiness. But today in the message, we're going to talk about how faith and obedience to Jesus satisfies. Faith and obedience to Jesus satisfies. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness. God, you, there's so many people in this room, God, so many people watching online and God, you know exactly where we all are. God, you know our struggles, you know our doubts, you know our passions, you, God, you know our, our marital problems and our parenting problems and our friend problems and our, you know everything, God, you know every detail of our lives, God. So I just pray that you would use this, this, this time that we have to encourage us and to challenge us to be more like Christ. God, you're the only one who can speak to all of us, but speak to each of us at the same time. You're so good, God. And everyone said, amen. Let's, let's get into this. So um, Thomas Morton, who was a monk, was talking about this message with my friend Nick earlier, and he shared this quote with me. We may spend our whole life 
climbing the ladder of success only to find out it was leaning up against the wrong wall. And as we read through Philippians, we'll find out that Paul experienced this very same thing and that our culture may have different idols or cultural ladders that are demanding our allegiance. Our allegiances, we might be tempted to follow the wealth. We might be tempted to follow uh, familial comfort or security. We might be challenged in our jobs. We might idolize sports. We might idolize Instagram and technology. We might idolize video games. We could idolize anything. But the point is, is that we all have our own idols that draw us away from Christ, promise us significance and happy. But when we get to the top, it's empty. And we'll find out how that plays out here in Philippians 3. But we can't escape it. It's our instincts to climb these ladders and to fall for these idols and to, and to find significance outside of Jesus and his mission for our life as Christians. We can't escape it. So let's dive into Philippians 3. Paul's writing this letter to the, church in the, ancient, city, to the ancient city of Philippi where there's a group of Christians. So Paul is in prison. Paul is a Christian leader in the first century. And he writes this letter to this church. Paul's in prison in Rome. Not a good place to be. Like, like not a good place to be. Rick Renner has a whole teaching on how bad of a place that Paul was in uh, while he was in this Roman prison. It's terrible. And he writes this letter to the Philippian church to encourage them because they had just given him a gift, a financial gift to relieve the suffering that he was experiencing in prison. And so here we read this uh, this passage in Philippians 3, Paul writing to this church, and we can take from it today. It says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision. Pause. The circumcision means God's people, okay? Simply put, like the circumcision is God's people. So you could almost put in there, we are, for we are God's people who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law, a Pharisee as to zeal, a persecutor of the church as to righteousness under the law, blameless. What is Paul saying here? Paul was saying, I was the guy. Well, you have to understand these religious terms that we see, like as to zeal, persecutor of the church, Hebrew of Hebrews, circumcised on the eighth day, all of that was cultural significance for the Jewish community. And so Paul was a leader, not just a religious leader, he was a cultural leader, he was a political leader. He had, he was the guy. And so these ladders tempt us, they say, climb me. Climb me, then you'll be happy. Paul saw the temptation. He felt the temptation and his parents, his schooling, everything told him, climb the ladder. And Paul, like all of us are tempted to do, he followed through on this instinctual fleshly desire to be on top, to be significant in the eyes of other people. He climbed the ladder and he's saying in Philippians 3, I was at the top. Paul, you got some of y'all getting nervous, okay. He was saying, I was at the top. I was here. I was the Hebrew of Hebrews. I was the, I was the guy. 
I was the guy. And what we'll find out, oh gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> He's saying I was the guy. Paul saw the ladder, he climbed the ladder, and he made it to the top. His culture said, do all these things to Paul and you'll be fulfilled. For us, it, it might be a little bit different. It might be, get the car, get the house, get the wife, get the kids, then you'll be happy. Get the promotion, get the job, get, get it all, get here, get the new phone, get the, get the YouTube subscribers, get the Instagram subscribers, get all the TikTok views, get all these things up here. If you can only get there, then you'll be happy. And Paul was there. You think you're there? Paul was there. He would have been like a political leader who was famous all over all of the region that he was in. He was the guy. And for us, it's, it's these promotions and new jobs. It's these college degrees that promise so much, but now we're a junior and you're senior. And we're like, man, my parents told me that I would find out what I'm supposed to do, but now I'm getting close and I'm getting more nervous than ever. What am I going to do the rest of my life? And we're finding is that these ladders that promise so much, these idols that promise so much don't deliver. And that when we get to the top, it's empty. But us, if, you're, if you feel like you're at the bottom, you look at people at the top and you say they have it all. I can tell you as being in pastoral ministry, the people at the top have more depression, more stress, and more worry than anyone else. And they put on a facade on Instagram and Facebook, they put on facades with their cars and their houses. They put on facades that everything's good and yet their merit, that everything is just crumbling beneath them. It's because they've, they've been seduced by these idols that, the, that, the, that are in the earth and that don't last for eternity. You guys following with me? We all feel it. I feel it. I feel these things. And, and there are Christian cultural idols in ladders too. We just, I've been in church my whole, we just do a really good job of like packaging them and this like spiritual wrapping paper. And then we put this bow on top that's in the shape of a fish. And then we're like, yes, this is, look at all my insecurities, but it's wrapped in really nice present. But once you get to the heart, you unwrap it and you see the same perverted idolization of things other than Christ. And it's not good to wrap your idolization and spiritual wrapping paper, it's good just to understand our hearts and come to Christ and be free. Like, let's just be free. Let's stop trying to impress each other and compare each, ourselves among each other. Let's be Christians who, who know Christ and live on mission to serve and love others. Give me an amen. So there's these seductive idols all around that promise so much, but don't deliver. Philippians 3.3 says, for we are the circumcision, remember that's the God's people who worship by the Spirit of God. And the, the word I want you to focus on is glory in Christ Jesus. Means that we find our significance. We worship, our, we are impressed by Jesus. We don't get seduced by earthly systems. We don't get, we get tempted, but we're not drawn in because we're people of the way. We're people of Christ. We're people who follow and live daily to serve and love others. This is what it means to be Christian, to live by faith, to live unselfishly. We are, the, we are God's people who worship in spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh in these earthly systems that, promise so much, but don't deliver. And God is warning us 
this morning, through this message, beware of the ladders in your life. He's warning you. You're not, you're not exempt from the temptation. He's warning you. He says, you'll, you may think getting to the top is what you need, but you'll find emptiness there and loneliness. He's warning us because Paul himself experienced that same thing. The Hebrew of Hebrews, the, he was the guy. He's telling us faith and obedience to Jesus satisfies. You see, we go to the top to find significance, but what we got to realize is that you already have significance. Jesus paid a price to put a spirit in you, put you on mission to live separate from the world, to love when people hate, to bless when people curse, to give when people take, to live different. He's already made you significant. He's given you a spirit, made you an ambassador, set you free on the inside. You're a new creation. He's made you significant and the devil's trying to tell you you're not until you get up there. It's the biggest lie that a Christian could ever believe because you already are significant if you've placed your trust in Jesus. Let's, let's see it for what it is this morning that Jesus can satisfy. So Paul was at the top of the ladder. He was there. And quick, quick little biblical note, Paul's previous name was Saul, okay? So his name was changed later on in his life. And Saul which we'll read in Acts 9, is Paul, okay? Give me a thumbs up if that makes sense. Because some people are not paying attention earlier, and so they're going to be like, I thought we were talking about Paul. Anyway, sorry. Acts 9, but Saul, remember that's Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Paul was a murderer. He persecuted Christians and asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that he, if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's hunting Christians to persecute them and put them in prison. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Pause. The word Lord is capitalized. See that capital L? That's meaning that he, Paul or Saul was referring to God, the God of Israel. So Paul believed in God, the God of Israel. He thought he knew who God was, but then Jesus came and he didn't recognize him. You see, he thought he knew, he thought he was doing God's work, but he rejected Jesus. So now here Paul is, and he's saying, Lord, who are you? He might be thinking, wow, God's going to come and give me a nice little pat on the back. Yeah, I keep getting those Christians. Yeah, go get them. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus saying, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? And Jesus reveals himself to Saul, Paul. I am Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine the shame that he would have felt. 
I'm persecuting the one, yet he reveals himself to him. I'm, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. So Paul gets blinded from this experience. Jesus blinds him. He can't see for three days. He do, goes into Damascus and he's just sitting, waiting. And God sends a guy named Ananias, who's a Christian, a disciple of Jesus, to Saul, Paul. Can you imagine Ananias? He, he goes, he, he's having a conversation with the Lord. You can read about it in Acts 9. He's like, God, um, I'm not going to see Saul. Like, he's like killing Christians. You want me to go to him? And, and God says to, to Ananias, he says, I've changed his heart. Go to him. So Saul, or Ananias goes to Saul. He's blind, remember? He lays his hands on his eyes and Saul gets healed of his blindness. And from that day forward, Saul, now Paul, is changed from the inside. He went from being a cultural, political leader. He's this guy who had it all, the influence, the power, the relevance. He had it all. If he had Instagram today, he'd have at least 100,000 followers. Like, he would have been like the guy making, he would have been the guy on YouTube. He, he, he would have been that guy. And then he meets Jesus. Now I want to make a note here. We see his encounter with Jesus. We can see how his encounter with Jesus changed him. But I want to make two observations. One, some people have these encounters with Jesus that are very personal. Maybe that's you, where you were just like in your room, you were like there, you were like, you were like at church maybe, and then like God just met you. Like you were just struggling, and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God just comes in, and he just, he just meets you, and you are just changed in an instant. Other people have experiences where they meet one of Christ's disciples. And through a disciple of Christ, through the hands and feet, through the love of you and me, we get to intervene into this world and be the love of Jesus to other people. I'm wondering how many of you have been inviting coworkers and friends and neighbors to church, but what you don't realize is that you have the spirit of God inside of you. Some of you are Ananiases in which you're not supposed to bring them here. You're supposed to bring it there. Bring the healing and the caring and the compassionate love of God to your world. See, Paul encountered Christ through a supernatural sovereign event, but then he encountered Christ through the obedience of a disciple. How many people in your life are waiting for your obedience? How many people in your world, and, in your, and we make excuses, I'm not good enough, I don't know enough about the Bible, the only thing you need is a, is a broken and, con, all you need is a broken and contrite heart. All you need is this hunger to see other people know Jesus. And if you'll have a soft heart that say, God, I'll do what you say to do. If you'll do that, God will say, there's a trusted one. There's a trusted woman. There's a trusted gal. There's a trusted guy. I'm gonna send my decree, my presence to change their world. And guess what? So many people don't want to go to churches because they walk into a place like this. Maybe that's you right here. You're like, this is the weirdest experience ever. A bunch of thousand people in this room watching one guy in a jacket and they're like, what is going on right now? Listening to this guy. And I'm telling you, if they experience the love of Christ through your life, they'll come because of your love. And then they get to experience the worship and they get to experience God's presence and worship. And then we hear the gospel preached and then people realize it's not about me talking. It's about Christ working in us to impact our world. And that whether you're a middle schooler, high schooler, college student, mom, grandparent, it's all the same. There's, there's no different Holy Spirit. It's only different people who take God differently. Will you take him personally? So Paul's at the top of his ladder. 
And he's like, I'm up here. I got this. Then he has an encounter with Jesus. And we see how this encounter changes Paul. And I would argue that the way that it changes Paul is the same way that it changes us. This is what he says in Philippians 3. Oh my gosh, this is is amazing. Whatever gain I had, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. I don't think we realize this would be your pension. This would be your income. This would be your, this would be your reputation. This is the respect that you, that you have and you built up over time. This is the hard work that you had. He said, I had it all. All of it was loss. I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Here is Paul at the top of his ladder. Here we are as people climbing our own ladders at different stages. Some of us are deciding which ladder to climb. Some of us are in the middle. Some of us are on top. And all of it, the solution is the same. We need Jesus. We don't need knowledge of Jesus. We need a heart that pursues the spirit of God and the reality of the living Jesus, not ideas. Paul had an encounter with the real living Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead. It wasn't Paul's idea to change. It was God's idea to show his goodness to individuals who are searching. Are you searching? Because God says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for right standing with God. They will be filled. Are we hungry? encounters and experiences and the truth that Jesus brings to our hearts and our lives. I'm change topics here, but I love emojis. Anybody use emojis like when you're texting? Some of you are like, wow, that was a really an abrupt transition. I know it was. Okay. Forgive me. I just think it's done, done wonders for communication. I can send sarcasm through an emoji. I can send anger through an emoji. I can send other, I can send anything. But me and my friend Nick Mayo have an inside joke about the poop emoji. So for my birthday a few years back, he got me this little, you guys see it? There we go, that's better. It's a poop emoji. So let's go back to Philippians. Some of you are like, wow, he is a youth pastor, wow. (laughs) (laughs) But you you old people, you can laugh too, okay? Lighten up a little bit. And so what you don't know about Philippians 3 is the word rubbish. We, we read that earlier, rubbish. I counted all as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus to be found in him. Rubbish is the Greek word, which is the original language of Philippians 3. It's actually poop. But they didn't, they didn't want to put poop in the Bible. They're like, that'll confuse people. It'll, just be, it'll get stuck thinking about the poop analogy. So we're just going to put rubbish. But, so Paul's saying all of my, I'll, I'll just show you. So Paul was here. He meets Jesus. God places him in this this crazy place where he's able to look back on his life. And he looks back. (laughs) I'm just laughing that I really put I hope Pastor Dwayne doesn't watch this later on. (laughs) He looks back. (laughs) 
Sorry. It's a really powerful point. (laughs) And he looks back and he says, wow, it's a bunch of crap. But it's, it's true. Everything that pro- was promised, everything that I thought I wanted, everything that the culture promised that would make me significant, all the sin that I was in, the sex that I was having, the, the money that I was grabbing, the greed that I had, all of it, all of it, all of the letters, the jobs, the college, the, the, the promotions, all of it, all of it was trash. Why? Not because it is trash, it's because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus and his mission. He's saying, I don't need influence. I don't need, I don't need the power. I don't need the money. I am on mission to love and serve my world. I'm here through faith to look at God's goodness and forgiveness of me. And I look back and I say, it's all a lie. All of it. This is what he was saying. What used to define me. I'm sorry. I got my quote. Okay. I need to go to my notes. Okay. Everything that once defined me was really destroying me. Everything that I once thought was so significant was really the thing that was killing me. And that's what Jesus does. Faith and obedience to Jesus satisfies. You look back and we go, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you. Early in my life, and even in my life, my adult life, sports was, was my ladder. Sports. I, I, was a, I went to Granville High School. I was a basketball player and football player. I got pulled up to varsity as freshman in both sports. I had a desire to, to play basketball in college, and I did. And what most people don't know about my high school career and just my high school life was I was, I was so insecure. The reason I worked so hard, the reason I did it is because I needed, I needed to be there to be happy and significant. I would, just, I would just study all the stats and I would look at all, I would do everything I could to gain an advantage because I needed to be significant. I needed to prove myself. And then I met Jesus as a saw. I was, then I, played, got, I went to Grace Bible College and played basketball. And it was even worse. It's emotionally just really challenging because every year when you play college sport, the coaches are going to find people in high school who are better than you. It's like this really emotionally insecure place where like you're always the guy that that is trying to be replaced by a younger person. It's just like awful emotionally. But praise be to God, he saved me. My sophomore year of of college where I truly met Jesus. I had believed before, but that's where Jesus flipped my mission. And what I don't want you to hear this morning is that you can't exist and thrive in your workplaces. That's silly. No, Christians need to be at the top of their fields. And so I have two, two kind of experiences in college that really, I don't know, just I think embody the change that happened in my heart and I hope can inspire us this morning. I had this guy named Rod who was a teammate of mine in, in, in college and we competed for minutes. And so like we would both like kind of take each other in and ch- in, we would take each other in and out of the game. And so when I went in, he, he went out. And when, I, and when I went out, he went in. So it was like... The, we weren't very good friends because there was always this like competition of like, I want to be better than you because I want to play more. Um, and then I had this encounter with Jesus and everything just changed my heart, my motivation. It's like, it's like, I saw that I saw sports for what it was. It was just this, this, this vice for my insecurities. It was this idol that I had. And, and so one day we were shooting, me and Rod were shooting in the gym, practicing and 
And I just felt, I knew he had a foot injury and I just felt my heart, the compassion grew in my heart to serve him and love him. And so I, I, I was like, Rod, let me, let me pray for your foot that God would heal you. First off, actually before that, I was like, I felt the compassion. I was like, God, you know, like if he gets healed, then like I get to play less, right, God? Like this isn't good for my playing time. Um, but I did it anyway. And from that moment on, our, we, we actually bonded because it was like this spiritual like breaking of like, we weren't in it for ourselves anymore. We were in it. It was like God redeemed the idol. He was saying, I don't want you to, Jake, I don't want you to quit basketball. I want you to rethink how you think about basketball. I don't want you to quit your job. I want you to rethink how you can use your job to serve the kingdom and serve the people around you. I don't want you to quit college. I want you to think about how can your college degree impact the kingdom. I don't want you to stop being a teacher. I want you to think about how Jesus can invade your classroom. I don't want you to stop doing what you're doing. Will you encounter Jesus in a way where it puts you away from your idols and to serving the things that you once served? Everything changed. And that next year, I had a, another teammate who had a bad back injury. He was a starter. He played way more minutes than me. He had a bad back injury. And I felt this compassion. I need to pray for him. I was like, God, I really want to play. Why do you keep doing this to me? Like you're praying for people that I'm competing with. And, and it, I don't want you, it's not about the healing. It's not about the prayer for healing. It's about the motivation. It's about my, my heart. It's about our motivation. It's about our desire not to idolize things, but to be kingdom people that care more about people than we do about our own success. And so I go to my, my is Nick, and I, I go to him, let me pray for your back. And, and I, I, I was hesitating whether to share this, but it's pretty incredible. So some of you have experienced like the leg growing thing. And I'm not, a, I don't do that often, but I did it with this guy, Nick. And no joke, hit one of his legs was like this. Can you see that? It was probably three inches shorter than the other, one of his legs. And so I sat him down. Like it was, inc- it was crazy. And I was really nervous. You can imagine, have you ever prayed for someone for your first time, like for healing? I was like, <laughs> like shaking, holding him. And so like, and Trevino's, you know who I'm talking about, Nick. You know who I'm talking about. Um, and so three inches and I just sat him down his legs and I was like, God, just please heal him. So I don't look like an idiot. Um, and it was like within three seconds, it was like, and the spirit of God rushed in and he was, he was freaking out, freaking out because his back pain suddenly left and he didn't miss one game that season. The point is, isn't the healing. The point isn't the healing. The point is God wants to get your eyes off of needing significance in the realms of the things that you're pursuing and to start serving the people in a way that glorifies Christ. Remember, faith and obedience to Jesus satisfies. It satisfies. I don't have time for the other story. There was another story where I played, we're in the national championship game and i there was a guy that we were about to play and he, he sprained his ankle and God was like, go pray for him. I'm like, God, we're in the national championship game. I cannot keep praying for people like this. So I went over to him and I prayed for him and he was like freaked out, freaked out that I would do that. And it's just a model of what it looks like to be kingdom people. Some of you have, have peers that you're competing for a promotion with. And I'm telling you, do what you can, build up your resume, do everything, but don't do it at the cost of your heart. Because kingdom people are servants. It says in Matthew 20, 27 through 28, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Gosh, even as the son of man, Jesus came not to be served, 
but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Greatness isn't about how many people you serve. This is what Pastor, this is a pa- Pastor Dwayne quote, PD quote. Greatness is not about how many people serve you. It's about how many people you serve. That's what it means to be great. True kingdom living is about being great at what you do without being consumed by what you do. It's about seeing the idols for what they are and having the perspective that God, you've placed your spirit, you've placed your love, you've put me on mission so I can love the people around me. God, I am here to serve you. Make me great in your eyes, not in their eyes. That's what it means to be kingdom people. That's what it means to be Jesus people. And the beautiful thing is I know that we have hundreds of people just like that in this church. This is not a rebuke. This is an encouragement because I could ask Pastor, or Pastor Merle, I could ask my dad to come up here and they could line up 200 people who are living the kingdom life right now. And they could, they could, they, they could bring up so many people. They could, they, I'm just off the top of my head. They could bring up Ted Cole, who's, who's crushing in technology. They could bring up Bob Vanderpool crushing in his field. They could bring up Shay, who's in our college minister doing music. They could bring up, they could bring up Mark Garner, who's crushing in his field. They could bring up so, I could, I could list Larry Martin in the real estate agency and, and Brian DeSmith in real estate, Kristen Slotinski in nursing and Josh Steiner in nursing. And I could list so many people that are crushing it in the kingdom. And I'm saying, let's get a hundred more today. Let's get a hundred more of us, 300 more of us to start changing the way we think. And we start seeing our idols and our, and our ladders for what they are. And let's live as kingdom people, Jesus people satisfied with the freedom and forgiveness of Christ and satisfied to live with the mission of Christ to serve our world. Give me an amen. And then we're going to pray. I'm going to close by reading the last part of this verse. It's really, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a linchpin for this whole passage of scripture. It says in Philippians 3, 9 through 11, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness, which means right standing of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God meaning we don't earn it. That depends on faith. That I may know him, Jesus. Know him. Not just know about him, but to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. That I may, or I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. You see, Paul was at the top of his ladder And he realized that his right standing, his significance, his forgiveness was not based on what he did. It was based on what Jesus did by flipping the world upside down through his death and resurrection. Changed everything, disarmed the powers of darkness. He opened up salvation to the Jews and the Gentiles, you and me. Opened up salvation to all people from all, for all cultures, from all ethnicities, from all family structures, from all income levels. Our right standing is not based on status, but on faith. Better yet, it's based on grace through faith, like Ephesians 2 says. Paul had his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. 
that changed his life. Paul was not searching, God found him. And I have a feeling that this morning or this afternoon, even watching online, God is finding some right now. Some are finding some, God is finding some for salvation. God is finding some for mission. To take you away from these ladders that have, idols that have seduced us and started putting us in this realm of serving our world, our families, our neighbors, and our workplaces. And my challenge to you is just to follow the conviction and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit that might be finding you right now. It's not about you doing better. It's about opening up your heart and yielding to the fact that Jesus is good enough. He is good. He is faithful to forgive you of your sin to put you on mission and give you purpose for your life, to expose the lies of the ladders and idols. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Jesus saved Paul. Jesus is still saving people today. If you're here and you're not right with God, I'm gonna give you a chance to be forgiven and to know that you are in right standing with the God of the universe. The beautiful thing is that it just takes faith. God did his part by sending Jesus to pay the price for our sin, to reclaim your heart and allegiance, and to give you purpose and new life. What he asks of us is to believe and to put our trust in him. So if you're here this morning, and you wanna make that decision today, I urge you to raise your hand, to identify yourself, not for me, but to God saying, today I give you my life, forgive me and put me on a new path of forgiveness and purpose. If that's you on the count of three, I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three, just raise your hand. I'm gonna pray with you. I wanna pray with you if you raise, I see that hand. Raise your hand if that's you to receive the forgiveness and the mercy and the grace of God. I see that hand. Anyone else? I just feel like there's some people that are, that are just waiting and, and kind of like, I'm just gonna take a step. Raise your hand. I see that hand. Praise God. Would everyone just pray with me? This prayer isn't a magic prayer. It's just a sincere prayer. God knows your heart. He sees your heart. And he's the one who saves. He's the one who forgives. He's the one who, who makes us new. So just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving me, for loving me, even though I don't deserve it, for sending Jesus to the cross to die in my place and then raise him back to life, proving that death is defeated. So I don't put my trust in myself. I put my trust in Jesus to save me and to make me new. I trust you, Jesus. Help me in this journey. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the word of God. We upload weekly. So join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.